little touch pass there. Benson waiting, cuts in, he scores! Oh my! Into the middle, holding, back, Toporowski shooting, shot block, got it back, shot, score! Center of pass forward, of stop, shot, back to play, score! In front, Groove scores! Jaden Groove scores the triple overtime winner. Welcome in to WHL Unfiltered. Uh, pleased to be joined by my co-host in Swift Current Saskatchewan, Sean Mullen, and also James Gallo, the Director of Hockey Administration and play-by-play -play voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors. How's uh, how's the Prairie Street and everybody tonight? It's cold. <laughs> One word, cold. It's not spring yet, Chad. Sean knows all about it. It's not spring yet. What? Yeah, I had a tape blow over outside. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's miserable. Yeah, not too... Not too bad out here. It was uh, it was dry out, and I had to frantically get some some stuff done outside before before uh, talking about settling in, talking about junior hockey. But uh, you know, here 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 we are. Um, so we kind of you know over the course of the year try to make our way through uh, all the cities in in the, our fine league, and we hadn't quite got to Moose Jaw yet. And uh, you know, it's get. I think that's kind of fitting in a lot of ways that, you know, the Warriors seem to be playing pretty well, and I don't think people are really talking about them. You guys are getting kind of lost in, in the shuffle a little bit. I mean, what's what, what's it been like, you know, covering the, this team all year, James? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment throughout the course of the year. Um, you know, I think, it's, I think it's hard to shine in the Eastern Conference this year because of the seasons that Winnipeg, uh, I think the start that Red Deers had, and the season that Saskatoon has had. So, but being on the radar is, is, is sometimes a good thing. Um, I think this team, you know, has, has battled through some inconsistencies. I think, you know, as of late, just still trying to get through those dog days of February and, and you kind of turn the page in March. But, uh, you know, I think it's just one of those things where, you know, there's some quiet stars here and we all play under the shadow of Connor Bedard. I think us more than anybody, uh, being 30 minutes away. So, uh, you know, the Moose Jaguar is just kind of, Go about doing their business. I think they just like doing that. That's that's kind of the way you want to do, I guess. Um, that said, you know, been comfortably in the top four all season, but Lethbridge is closing in a little bit. How important in your mind is finishing strong and keeping them at bay to, to hold on to that home ice advantage? It's huge, right? I mean, obviously, everybody wants home ice. I think uh, the hockey-wise of it, Sean, I think, uh, you know, from your days, you're 100% you're familiar with it. Home ice is big. Uh, you want the familiarities of home to start a, uh, a playoff series. But then you got to think about the business side of things. And it's a lot easier to sell a Friday, Saturday than it is to sell Tuesday, Wednesday, especially in the first round. So, you know, having home ice in the first round would be a tremendous asset for the Mooshaw Warriors. It's going to be hard to hold on to. Uh, you know, they got a tough schedule down the stretch. You know, two games with Swift Current this weekend, two with Regina coming up next weekend, and then. You know, Winnipeg, Prince Albert, and Saskatoon to wind down the year. Um, you know, thankfully, Lethbridge has got just as serious a schedule. You know, still a, a handful of games against a, a hungry Calgary team, which hopefully the Hitmen can can help the Warriors out. But um, home ice is huge. It's 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 so big when you have a ha when you're able to start at home and get off to a right foot. It, it's so big, and I, I, that's the hockey side of things. But um, you know, you can't discount the the business side, where it, again, it is easier. Uh, for the business to go on a Friday, Saturday, than it is a Tuesday, Wednesday in the first round of the playoffs. Well, and obviously, yeah, home ice in a general sense, you know, you get a, a bigger gate, you know, that matters with a, uh, you know, a, a small market community-owned team. But, you know, I, out west here, we're talking a lot about trying to get in that four or five hole and avoid, you know, the Seattle, uh, you know, Portland, and, and Kamloops, whereas – you know, that's one thing that the Moose Jaw has going for them is, you know, they're they're definitely, well, not definitely, I guess, but I mean, you, you almost 
you almost you can't fall past the end of that six hole. Um, and so then you, you avoid, you know, those tougher matchups in the first round. And, and that's, that's in pretty good, pretty good shape. Yeah. You know, I think, the, you know, and I wouldn't want to be rude to the Western conference, but I think it, it's very top heavy. And I mean, Sean, you've seen a lot of the teams here in the Eastern conference. Uh, when you look down the Eastern conference, 11 of 12 teams would be in the playoffs in the Western conference. It is, it is a grind out here. There's a, there's a ton of parody. I think, you know, playoffs, matches one through four they're gonna be hard i think uh you know every night there's gonna be favorites but i think every night there is an opportunity for an underdog to win i mean you know the moose warriors right now have a winning record against the winnipeg ice the swift current broncos have played the winnipeg ice extremely well um i think there's gonna be some interesting matchups here odys um i i think you could easily say that yeah, this team's going to win or that team's going to win, but I think it doesn't really matter right now. I think every team's going to be tested. It's going to be a grind in the Eastern Conference with the way the matchups are going to follow out uh, here in the next little while. Well, you just went through a home and home with the Broncos that were uh, pretty tightly contested uh, and intense games, and now another one coming up. They're scrapping for their playoff lives. The Warriors are fighting for home ice advantage. It's just a national rivalry. How much are you expecting a playoff-like feel to those games coming up? You know, I, Sean, I think, I think every game, it, you know, it doesn't matter home or home or not, I think every game is going to have that. I was talking to head coach Marco Leary about this, you know, not too long ago, actually right before the last home or home against Swift Current, you know, talking about how, you know, the Broncos, a team playing with urgency, and, and, and I thought he said it well. Every team should be playing with urgency because every team has something to play for. Yeah, as you mentioned, the Warriors trying to get a home ice and fight off Lethbridge. The Broncos trying to fight to get into the playoffs is... Chad, you mentioned, I mean, out west, everybody's trying to avoid and maybe get that right matchup in the first round. Urgency's huge, and you got to start having that playoff feel. And, you know, getting games get harder the longer you go. And you just can't flip a switch and be, yeah, we're ready to go for this playoff series. You need to develop that right mentality. And sometimes it's, it's good for teams to be playing in hard games now because it helps you get into the right mindset. And Sean, I fully expect that to be the case this weekend. I mean, I think I think the Innovation Credit Union Iplex is one of the toughest rinks to go into. Not just the ladder up to the broadcast booth, but I think in general, it's it's a tough rink to win in. Um, and, and that it'll set the tone. I think you know, seeing how things go on Friday. You know, the Warriors are a team that plays extremely well here at, uh, at the Mooshai Event Center. It could be a really fun weekend, and you know, the rivalry adds to it because both fans travel well. And that, that's awesome to see. Why not? It's it's fun. You know, when teams and their fans can get into it. Yeah, you mentioned the the the, the Iplex ladder. We'll have to we'll have to tag them on Twitter. They have that that account for for the for that thing. No, don't get me on that. I've been nice to the Iplex. Don't don't get them chasing after me. I, I took a little shot there, but nothing too serious. Don't don't get the <laughs> Iplex uh, Twitter account ladder after me. It's all Forbesies. That's all. That's good. Say it's, it's all Forbesies. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Forbesies. I've been going there longer than Forbes he has. It's all his. He can win that. He can fight that fight. I'm not gonna. I'm used to it by now. It's not. I still say, you know, for for all the talk about that ladder, the the toughest grind every year was the the test of fitness was hauling your equipment up to the Red Gear broadcast booth. <laughs> that one's a grind, you know. I. It's not the ladder in Swift Current that's a problem. It's the fact that I'm short. Yeah. Right. So like I physically have to throw my gear up and that's not like it's going down. That's the hard part because I have to hold all my gear and everything. When I go down that climb in red deer is, is horrible. I think the climb in Regina is horrible and yeah. it doesn't matter how much cardio you do throughout the course of the winter time. You just can't get used to it. It's horrible. It's miserable. It, it, it was always my test for myself getting to red deer being like, oh, okay, I, <laughs> I need oh. to work harder. It's so bad. It's and they're steep and oh, it's it's unreal. Every time I walk up the stairs in Regina, I would look at the uh, to the attendant and say, "When is the escalator coming in?" I got off that off here. It's ridiculous. Well, and if you're if you're going to to Red Deer, you're you're going to Calgary. I mean, you know, everybody talks about you know not wanting to uh, walk all the way across that that catwalk, right? Oh, Chad, hey. Sean, you know the story too on this one. That's that's a false statement, Chad, because there is an elevator on the other side. Yes. 
<laughs> there is an elevator. I've only taken that walk maybe twice uh, across the ice, and it was just to, to show, you know, there's some people that were with me because it's fun to do one time. But other than that, there's an elevator on the other side. So I, I laugh at the guys that talk about that. I, I always got a kick out of it, honestly. I, I enjoyed that view. I got some good pictures from up there, but... <laughs> I'd be scared to lose. I honestly, Sean, I was scared I would drop my cell phone every time. So that's yeah. why I never took. I took a picture once, and I'm I'm just sometimes I'm injury prone, and bad luck finds me all the time. <laughs> so I knew that there'd be an iPhone lying in the middle of center ice, and I would probably just walk away and say it's not mine. <laughs> yeah. Especially if it came anywhere near somebody. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Now. Just because we just talked about Calgary and Swift Current, I mean, that playoff race is, is coming down the wire. Brandon and PA are trying to stay in it. Medicine Hat is a, a little above the two of them, but but has a pretty favorable schedule, I think, down the stretch. It looks okay for them. But how, how do you handicap that playoff battle, especially it looks like Medicine Hat, Swift Current, Calgary are the teams especially fighting for those two spots, but Brandon doesn't want to feel like they're out of it either. Yeah, I think I think the road is probably harder for Brandon, and the reason why I say that is they still got two games with Winnipeg, and that's that's a home and home to end the season. So I, I think it's hard for Brandon in that regards. I think they got a, a, a large mountain to climb. Um, Prince Albert, I believe they still have uh, some games with Saskatoon left, which is tough. Um, you know, I don't know. Like to me, the Calgary Med Hat Swift Current. That's probably where it's likely going to lie. Um, you know, who gets in and who finishes where. I don't know. Like, I'd have to dive deeper into their schedules. Um, I don't know if anybody's got Edmonton left. Um, you know, the one thing is, is they're all going to play hungry, and which I think is great because it's going to be fun hockey to watch. And the biggest winners are the fans. And after the last, you know, still a year, two years, I think it's great for fans to get some, some great hockey. And, you know, it's, it's nice to have a lot of teams still in it, though. Right. Yeah. This is why in, in baseball, I'm glad they added extra playoff teams because it's better to have, you know, more cities and more communities invested into what's going on than than not. And I think it's great that you've got you've got Medicine Hat, you've got Calgary, you've got Smith Current, you've got Prince Albert, you've got Brandon, you have five communities that are totally invested to see, you know, how their teams do. And, and I think that's fantastic. The more cities that are that are looking and following and scoreboard watching. And uh, I think it's I think it's great. I think it's great. Well, and I know Swift in particular, their their schedule coming up is tough. Moose shot twice, Saskatoon twice, Red Deer twice. So they're going to have to earn it uh, for sure if they're going to find their way in with a schedule like that coming up. Yeah, that's a grind. That, that's that's a grind. But you know what? They, they play an interesting game. I think uh, they play a hard game. I think they've got the talent to the Broncos. Um, you know, for me, sometimes it depends – you know, what goaltending is going to show up at nights? I mean, if if it's the Reed Dick that shut out the Warriors 4 nothing the other weekend, they'll be fine because he was great in that game. He was by far the best player on the ice for either team. Um, but, of course, there was a game earlier there. The Warriors won 6 nothing in Swift Current against Reed Dick. So I think that that's one area that, that if the Bronco goaltending in the next three weekends can can hold up, they'll be just fine. And I think if they get in, Again, if they play Red Deer, if they play Winnipeg in the first round, they will test either one of those teams. They will give them a fight that uh, that their fans will be proud of. Now, you mentioned goaltending. Uh, Jackson Unger, Unger has been uh, thrust into the starting role there with the Warriors, and there were some struggles. I mean, just looking at the stats, there were some struggles. <laughs> but his last four starts, uh, three of the four seemed to have been really strong. Is he kind of finding his way in that role in your mind? I think so, right? I mean, you know, Jackson kind of thrust into the spotlight right now, and uh, it's not easy. Um, you know, I think uh, being a goaltender is a lonely position to play because if you win, you get all the all the credit in the world. If you lose, the spotlight's right on you. And, you know, I thought Jackson played well uh, against Swift Current. He played very well against the Prince Albert Raiders the other night. Uh, he's starting to get into his groove. Um, you know, he's got to battle a little bit here and there, but I think, you know, a goaltender only goes as far as his team can take him. And I think the Warriors and the games where they've had success is where they played well in front of Jackson and they've supported him defensively, you know, checking back as a unit, taking away the inside, limiting those scoring opportunities. And you got to trust Jackson's going to make that first save. And if there's a rebound, 
they got to help them out, right? But uh, it's a battle between the pipes, especially this time of year. It's it's tough. It's tough, especially when you're you're 17, just turned 18, you know, two months ago. Well, aren't aren't you aren't you burying the lead? I mean, it's a battle between Ungers, isn't that what we're seeing right now? <laughs> Pretty much, but uh, it's it's Jackson's role right now. Um, and uh, you know what? It's he's a young man that's that's shown a lot of character, a lot of fight with it, and uh, and he'll he'll grow from it. And uh, you know, there's a lot of faith that that he can help lead this team to where they want to go. And uh, I think it's a great experience for him right now, and and he'll grind it away. And uh, I think you know, again, the game against Prince Albert. Played really, really well. I thought a game in Swift Current, I thought he played really well. And those are, again, you know, tough teams to play against that have a, have a lot of fight and a lot of battle in them. And, and those are big confidence boosters for Jackson moving forward. You mentioned how it's nice for the Warriors to be able to, be able to uh, you know, stay kind of under the radar. And and one guy who's who's been able to do that, again, in the shadow of all the Connor Bedard hype, from moment one of his Western Hockey League career is Braden Yeager. And... and you know, another very fine season for him, um, ahead of a, a tre- tremendous pace he had even last year. Um, and, you know, another guy who's going to be right in the mix for, you know, a top draft pick. Uh, what have you liked about his progression? You know, he, again, he doesn't get the attention, of course, with the Bedard show happening here in the Western League, but one of the best products uh, prospects, I'm sure, that's gone through Moose Jaw in the last two decades. Yeah, I mean, for forward too, right? I mean, Mugenshaw's probably pumped out a little more defensive ones, but, uh, you know, Braden, I think he's special because he loves the game, right? Uh, guaranteed, he's likely watching Tampa Bay and Philadelphia playing tonight. He watches the game, he studies the game, and he wants to be better. Um, you know, the, the saying now is, is having that pro mentality, and I think, I think Braden has that. Um, you know, he, he wants to work on being better each and every time. He, he wants to be a 200-foot player, and, and I appreciate that, and I can see that improvement in his game. I think uh, he gets a lot of praise for his speed moving north. He gets a lot of, you know, praise for his shot. Um, but what he doesn't get a lot of praise maybe outside is is the way he back checks, and he's gotten better. Um, he, along with, with Jagger Fergus, unlikely as you would make it sound, they are probably just as dangerous shorthanded out on the ice as they are at even strength. And, the, and they have been appearing up front on the penalty kill for the majority of the season. And both of those guys should have five, six shorthanded goals with the way they have played. I think Braden doesn't get a lot of credit that he deserves for, for his commitment to playing a 200-foot game. Um, you know, just like everybody else at 17, 18 years old, he's, he's going to battle with, with blips here and there. But um, he, he has shown a commitment to wanting to develop into a complete player. And, and, and I appreciate that. And, and being able to watch him do that um, is special um, because I, I've gotten to know him off the ice. And I think this young man is, is just an amazing human being. Um, his involvement in our community has been amazing to watch. His willingness to get involved and him understanding the importance to be involved in a community um, has been special. Sean, you can speak to that as well. You know, being in a, in a smaller city in the Western Hockey League like me, I think that, that shows volumes to Braden's character, the way that he wants to be involved and be a part of this community and not make Moose Jaw just kind of a, a place in between. He, he wants to be a part of this community. And to me, that, that shows his character, and I think that's what makes him a, a really special individual. Well, and you, you talked about his, his improvement on the ice. You know, if you dig a little deeper into the stats, his goals are down a little bit, but his shots are up so he just hasn't had uh the luck as much this year from a shooting standpoint he's also 20 assists ahead of where he was last year so have you seen an extra element of playmaking or involving his teammates from him this year i asked him what area of his game he feels he doesn't get enough credit for and he said it's his playmaking and i think you see that on the ice and you see it in the stats that you just talked about uh, he has worked hard on developing that side of, the, of his game. He, he wants to be, you know, a four or five tool person. And, and I think he's showing that. And his work ethic is great to it, but his vision is good. I think, you know, as a whole, um, in junior hockey, I think sometimes players um, fall in the trap of passing themselves out of shots. So maybe that's why his shot numbers and his goals maybe don't look as impressive as maybe what you would hope. But. Um, again, his playmaking has, has been great. 
Um, he's been paired up with, with Jagger Furcus for the majority of the season, and they have been an amazing duo to watch, very special pairing to watch. Um, but, yeah, like Braden's – he's a great kid. And, again, I can talk a lot about what he's like on the ice, but to me, um, off the ice has always been more important for me. And I think Braden, again, is – that's the part that makes him special is what he's like off the ice. You know, I'll just say – when I when I watch those those two players in in Jaeger Ferguson and and Braden Jaeger, it it reminds me of of my younger days and how I learned that Jaegermeister wasn't really such a good idea for me, and uh, <laughs> I, I imagine a lot of people kind of came to that same conclusion for them you know them, them, themselves over time. But every every time I watch Moose Jaw, I, I think about that about you know Jaeger taking a shot. You know what I mean? It's it's so much fun. I mean, it's two guys that. It, it's so much fun to watch out there. Like Braden, Braden's on the fly, right? Like if he if he's on the power play and he gets that puck in the right circle, he's gonna rip it. And you know when Jagger's on the ice, he he's one of those guys that you would love to see what what he's really thinking, right? Because you know that he's thinking of something, and he he's not scared to try something. And that that to me is what I like. I asked him about that uh, not that long ago. He says it's nice to play here where his coaches have given him creative freedom when he has the opportunity to do that. And I think uh, he's he just don't know what he's going to do. And I like that element in his game. Is he going to try the, the lacrosse move? Could be. I've seen him try it several times. I've seen it work. Um, I'm only I'm almost waiting for those guys to do, you know, what, what Portland did and copy the NHL and flip it over the net and bat it out of the air. I wouldn't be surprised. They, everybody talks about it. So... Um, with Jagger, it, you just don't know what he's going to do. If there's anybody that's going to know what Jagger's going to do, it's going to be Braden because they talk so much, right? They just, that chemistry, they, they got that mojo and, uh, they're fun. They're just fun. I love it. They're, they're exciting. And, uh, you know, they're, they're kids. And I've always found that, that when the kids are smiling and having fun, that's when they're so exciting to watch. And uh, you can see the excitement in their eyes each and every time they step out on the ice. They love the game. And, uh, and boy, they're making, they're making fans everywhere. They're, they're so much fun. So much fun. Now, you mentioned you know, being from the kind of community where being in the community makes a big difference. And a community where if you can have a player from your town, from your city, make a big impact, that can have a, a, a little extra special feel. Where did Atley Calvert come from this year? 15 goals last year, 35 this year. I mean, I, I know he's had some success at other levels before, but that's a huge increase for him, and it must be a lot of fun to see that happen to a Moose Jaw kid. Yeah, you know what, Atley, um, you know, just speaking on the first part, he's a pretty determined young man. I mean, it, it runs in his blood. Um, everybody in Moose Jaw is very familiar with the Calvert name, and, and you know, they're a determined family uh, so not surprising by that his work ethic is, is is amazing you know there's the old story that he used to uh, he used to go to prairie hockey academy which is Car- in Carinport, just outside they play in the canadian sports school hockey league and uh atley needed to get bigger needed to get stronger and this is a true story after a, a game was it a game it was a game he all his equipment on he went up in the gym which was located above the ice uh, I was just off the side. He's doing squats in his hockey gear. Just put the rack on and let's go. Need to get better. Need to get stronger. I need to work harder. Um, he's a dog and a bone guy, um, which is great. He went to Buffalo Sabres training camp or uh, develop or their their rookie camp initially. I think it was a great experience for him to do to find out what it takes to make that next step. Um, you know, he's come in. He's a leadership guy. He's a character guy. But watch if you go back and look at a lot of where he scores his goal, Sean. It's it's in the hard areas, right? It's where you where you want to score, and it's where you can make a lot of money scoring. And you know he he's had a commitment to 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 being better and to being better around the net and finishing on the opportunities that he had. He had an opportunity to jump up and play in the top six, and he has pounced on it. And you know when you're given the opportunity, you gotta run with it because you never know when you're gonna get that chance again. And Atlee's done it. Thirty-five goals, right? It's a it's a it's a single season record by a Moose Jaw born warrior now, right? He passed Dave Baruch's mark of of thirty-three, um, set in two thousand one, two thousand two, and you know, as actually we were out of school two weeks ago, and I had a number of players uh, that I was there with, and the whole school, Braden Yeager being one of them, 
Uh, Jagger Fergus being another one. And the whole school was buzzing because Atlee Calvert was there. So it's awesome. It's awesome yeah. to have a local kid having a great year and having a big impact. And, you know, Allie's another one of those guys. He knows what it means to play for the Warriors. And uh, and he knows what it means to be out in the community. And, and it's special. It's, it's really special for him to have that success. Uh, I just figured, you know, growing up with a, a former goalie for a dad, that he must have worn him out. Uh, <laughs> well, did you ever hear the story about Jeff Calvert? Jeff Calvert played for the Warriors, right? And then got uh, he got moved out to Tacoma. And as a goaltender, like you mentioned, he scored an empty net goal against the Warriors. I I had never heard that, but that that would be as memorable as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> That's as good as it gets. It's as it's as good as it gets, right? And. You know, and Atlee's younger brother, Rowan, plays for the Saskatoon Blades, and, and you kind of see the same thing, right? You know, you you get in the league by hard work and by your work ethic, and skill only takes you so far, right? And you can develop your skill, but not everybody has a work ethic, and you have to develop your work ethic just like you develop all the other skills. And, and Atlee and his brother, Rowan, starts with that work ethic, go from there. I remember talking to coaches way back when. I'll use Kyle Brodziak as an example, right? When Kyle, when Kyle came into the year into the Western Hockey League at 16 years old, it was it was a focus on getting used to the speed, the pace, and the style of the game, the physicality of the game. And where Kyle developed was into a a really good penalty killer at just 16 years old. And the reason it was is because back then the Warriors would put the kids out on the ice against the top power play. So that's how he got better as a penalty killer. And it was just seasonal progression, right? I remember asking Kyle about this. He says, at 16, learn the league. At 17, focus more on inside your red line. Get a little bit on the other side. At 18, it starts to develop a little bit more offensively. And at 19, it's the whole ice. And and Kyle Brodziak had a great 19-year-old season. Um, and went on to have a, a great National Hockey League career, Hall of Fame worthy for the Mushaw Warriors organization. And, you know, Atlee and a lot of other players have find success. As long as you're patient in your development and you're committed in your development, you'll find success to learn. You know, Tanner Janot is another great story on that, right? Had 40 and 80 his final year in the Western Hockey League and now, you know, was part of the biggest trade, of national trade, National Hockey League trade deadline. So, it's a hard work and commitment. That's what Atlee's about, and then it'll take them a long way. You know, you we talk about you know being a, a moose jaw kid in that case, and and having the opportunity to uh, you know pr- pr- uh, you know produce. That's what I want for uh, for his hometown team. And you know, we talked a little bit about Mark O'Leary before, and and not a. Not necessarily from there, but had been around for for quite some time with the with the Warriors. You know what's what's it been like, you know, working with him in the the, the, the few years he's been behind the bench. Uh, Lears has been great. I really love working with Mark. Um, you know, Mark again is a great story. Where he came here in twelve thirteen, and he was a coaching assistant. He was billeted, as a matter of fact, and I didn't know if he was getting paid. Be honest with you, he was probably just getting paid by being able to work out because he's a fitness nut. But uh, Mark again, very you know diligent in his work ethic, and you know went from a coaching assistant to an assistant coach to an associate coach, and is now the head coach of the Moose Jaw Warriors. And it's a great story on that side of things. I think Mark is is a very open coach. Um, he won't shy away from a question, which which I think is great. Um, very knowledgeable. Um, the only issue, major issue that I have with Mark is he's a diehard Toronto Maple Leafs fan. And sometimes it is really hard to be around him. Um, his wife's social media is fun to watch when she's showing Mark, uh, watching some Toronto Maple Leaf games, but, uh, he's a student. He, I, again, I guarantee he's just like, guy like Brandon Yager. He's probably watching two games tonight, you know, obviously in the Western Hockey League, but, uh, some NHL games, but, uh, but yeah, Mark's, he's fantastic. I, I really have enjoyed working with Mark. You know, he reminds me a lot of, of Mike Stuthers when he was here with the Warriors. Uh, just, uh, you know, and he's had some great guys to learn from. You know, Mike Stuthers, um, you know, of course, Tim Hunter. Uh, Mark's dad, Brian O'Leary, was a coach in the Ontario Hockey League. So he's had a lot of guys that he can learn from, and, and he's I think he's doing a good job. Well, he's really kind of the modern coach, right? Uh, yeah. Focus on fitness. Uh, a guy who really analyzes the details of the game. I and mean, just doing interviews with him 
for a number of years because it wasn't Tim Hunter's favorite thing to do. Um, <laughs> um, for a number of years, I had a chance to talk to Mark, and you, you can tell he just really thinks the game on another level. Uh, he's a detailed guy, and it was really good to see him get that kind of opportunity and to, to have a young coach who's developed with the organization take over at a time when it was a real young team developing together really seemed like it came together at the right time. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, Sean. I, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, you know, he had an opportunity to to, to grow himself with a young team. Um, you know, he finished his his first season was a half a season or, or not even, I guess you can say. And then then you go into the hub, right? So he only gets twenty four games. So um, he had his first full season last year, and you know, this year well on his way to, to clinching a playoff spot. So that's two pretty good years, I think. Mark, as you mentioned, very detail orientated. Um, you know, he wants you to work just as hard off the ice as he does want you to work on the ice. And, you know, Mark, when he played, he, he was he was a character guy, right? Um, he was a hardworking individual when he played. He, he knew the sacrifices that needed to be made. And he's a good guy to lean off for support. He's, he's a new air guy, right? He likes to connect with the players, talk with the players. Um, and, and you have to do that nowadays. Hey, Sean, like, you, you got to make sure you say hi every morning to these guys. You got you to gotta be able to connect with them because if you can't connect with them, it gets hard. It gets really, really hard the later you go. And he's an Owen Sound guy. And so you mentioned, you know, learning from Stuthers. I mean, coming from a place where Stuthers had uh, success as a coach there and then coming to Moose Jaw with them, uh, I'm sure everybody's thoughts are with uh, Coach Stuthers right now, as we just heard the announcement of his health challenges and uh, devastating news to hear. But a, a, a tough guy who I'm sure is going to put everything into that battle. He, I, you know what, Sean, Mike Stuthers is probably, I tweeted it out, he's probably one of the nicest guys um, that I've ever had the opportunity to work with. He, he's a special guy, is, is, is Stutz. Um, you know, I remember, I think it was his first year, I got into the whole Movember, that's kind of when it was taken off. Mm-hmm. And the whole, whole November, every Coach's Show interview, um, he called me Mario. Every, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not, it's not, it's totally true. Every, Every interview, he called me Mario just because of, <laughs> because of my Italian heritage and, and I look like a Super Mario brother pretty much. But uh, but you know what? I mean, Mike just had a different way of looking at things, and uh, and I thought it was great. I remember the one time it was our first trip back from Brandon actually when Mike took over as, as the head coach in eleven twelve, and uh, I, I don't know if it was a, I think it was a preseason game, and, and the team lost, and Mike had said put a movie in, and I was one of the guys I was baffled. I said what? Like, is he for real? And he said, yeah. He said, we said, well, we lost. You don't watch movies when you lost. He said, the only people that lose by not watching a movie are us at the front of the bus. <laughs> and I said, so right, Stutz. And then, you know, there'd be times where, you know, some bad games or some rough games, you'd want to call back, like, hey, Stutz, you know, do you mind if I ask us? He said, James, you can play the game 100%. He says, it's, it's worth asking. I learned so much working with Mike Stuthers and, uh, you know, I've obviously kept in contact with him uh, since he moved down south. And, and he's such an amazing individual. Um, you know, his time in Moose Jaw, I know the players really connected with him. Uh, Braden Point's still talking about playing for him. You know, it's, it's funny to hear, you know, Paul Bissonette talking about playing with Stutz. He, he's such an amazing individual. That, uh, and he's probably the toughest guy that I know and. Uh, I'm definitely with him. The whole community here, Musha, is with him in his battle, and and uh, he's tough. He's he's going to win this one. He was tough on the ice, but uh, just a greater man off the ice. Just a I can I can't say enough good things about Mike Stuthers. Well, and that that team that uh, he coached all the way to round three with you guys in eleven twelve. That's got to be one of the best Warrior teams and the most fun seasons that you've had a chance to be a part of. Hundred percent. That was that was a great team. I thought as probably honestly, probably the toughest team that I've ever been around. Um, pillar up. There was one night we had a home and home with Medicine Hat, and uh, the first game was in Medicine. It was in Moose Jaw, and the game got to be six nothing for the Warriors. And for whatever reason, the Tigers just wanted to keep opening the gate, and Stutz just said, "Yep, yeah, just keep on going." And this was when you know uh, Dylan McElrath, Travis Earhart. Uh, sorry, Dylan Earhart, or Dallas Earhart, my apologies. Uh, Cody Beach, Cam Brays, Jim, I, it was just, okay, let's go. Um, but 
you know, Stotts was, he knew how to connect with those guys. And, and, and that was the thing with a veteran team like that. You needed to be able to connect and, and he got that. And, uh, he was entertaining. I just, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of stories I could probably tell you off camera or off microphone, um, that you would laugh at. I wouldn't feel comfortable saying it on, but, uh, he, he was such a good guy to talk to. Um, that 11-12 season, he was the right guy for the team. And and not just for the team, I think for the community. Because, you know, I think I think Stutz knew how important it was as, as a guy from, here's this Ontario guy coming here, right? <laughs> he, he, he knew how to connect, right? He was he was uh, really involved with the Moosehide Humane Society, right? He, he would, you know, uh, foster pets, all the time, we'd see different, you know, dogs coming into the rink and, and, you know, he knew how to connect with the community. And I think the community, you know, really bonded with Mike Stuthers. And I, and I thought that was, that was just a great, it just shows his character. He was so good to be around. Yeah. My favorite story, I mean, he was, even from my experience dealing with him, super friendly and easy going, but he has that stare, right? And that's, oh, oh, yes. Yeah. Go on, Sean, but I know all what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, and I, I, uh, when I was in Owen Sound, he was coaching the the attack at the time, and the the TV intermission host uh, was trying to find the bathroom in between periods and walked into the Moose Jaw dressing oh, room. Oh no! <laughs> and and he he got a real good look at that stare. Oh <laughs> no! That is not good. There was there was once so the game against Medicine Hat that I was referencing earlier, uh, when things started getting out of hand. Um, so we, Mark Smith, uh, at the time we would put him in the, in the box between the benches for a radio broadcast with, with a live microphone. And at one point, uh, Mike Stuthers and, and Sean Clouston were like, <laughs> legitimately, you know, eye to eye. Here's Mark Smith right, right in the middle of them. And we're laughing on the radio. Myself and Derek Clutson up top were saying like, Mark, move to the back and hide your microphone. Because that and, is not Golden West content. <laughs> no, no, it is not Golden West friendly. And and I remember talking to Mark afterwards, and he said that was unbelievable. <laughs> like he said, it was so it was colorful. But you know what? Like again, Stutz was one of those guys that uh, he would make you up a nickname in about two seconds, and and it would stick for whatever reason. And and it was great. And uh, yeah, that stare. There was one time, like he he grabbed a hockey stick, and I swear, like he, I don't know how he didn't jab anybody with it. Like you could tell he was wanting to, but the, the restraint that he showed and the intensity that he showed. I, 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 luckily, I was never on the receiving end of the stare, which which was great. But uh, I would always laugh. Like he he would come walking into the office, you know, he get done his, he, you know, very fit, very active guy. He'd get done his workout. He'd uh, he'd come into the office uh, in his in his gear with uh, with his Crocs and his and his reading glasses on top of his head. And I know there's a picture of, of Paul Bissonnette one year when as Mike Stuthers for Halloween, and he nailed it. And when I saw the picture, I said, "That's a hundred percent Stutz." That's all I knew because I knew exactly what he was talking about because I've seen it a million times. Yeah, it's always. Fun going down these uh, these rabbit holes is kind of the whole the whole point of this this format. Um, you know, another member of this coaching staff that you know I think would be fun to have on the show someday is uh, Olivia Howe, and you know that's obviously you know a little bit of you know uh, groundbreaking you know as far as uh, having a, a a woman on staff. You know, it is Women's History Month at the moment. You know, what's what's it been like? You know, having uh, having Olivia contribute to the to this team. You know what, Olivia? Like I knew, I knew about Olivia for a long time because I'm friends with her. I've been friends with her dad for for years, um, and I followed her career when she was at Notre Dame, and then and then she went down to the states with Clarkson. So I was familiar with Olivia in that sense. And then, um, you know, she kind of when when Alan Miller was the general manager, uh, he wanted to get Olivia involved a little bit more, um, got to know her a little bit that way. And then, you know, I think she did a great job. You know, Tim Hunter did a great job, you know, supporting her and, and, and helping her uh, build her knowledge. But she's she's tremendous to talk to. She knows the game inside and out, right? So, you know, usually when we're on the road, um, 
you know, her and I and, and another person from the office will be texting the whole time. She knows this game inside and out. Like if I know she's focused on the business side as well for the Warriors, and she does such a good job on that side of it. But if Olivia wants to go down the road of the coaching path, she would do great. I know she does. Uh, she works with a lot of uh, a lot of kids. Um, you know, in the Moosha area, her and uh, Warriors assistant coach Gord Burnett, they they got some great programs that they bring out to the minor hockey kids. But she does such a good job. Um, even when she's on the ice, I think she's done a good job connecting with with our players and with the Moosha Warriors. Um, you know, they respect her, and to me, that's huge. And and I think you know they respect what she knows on the ice because she's won. She's won a championship. She knows what it takes to win. And I think a lot of our guys ask her questions on, on how they can improve to do that. She's got a lot of knowledge. And I think, uh, I think it's fantastic that an individual like Olivia has ran with the opportunity she has. And, uh, I, I think the sky's the limit for her. A huge fan of what she brings to the, to the whole organization, both on the ice and in the front office. She's, she's, uh, she's going to be a star in this league or the next league. I'll, I'll guarantee you that. James, you have worked with the Warriors now um, in a you know front office position, as well as the broadcasting work for a number of years. Uh, you've been a broadcaster in the league for a couple of decades. As you've been gotten more involved uh, at the team level, I mean, we've seen some broadcasters go down the path where they kind of you know you get to know the game really well by doing this job, especially if you dig into it more and more. Is, is there an element of that you're interested in, like? furthering your involvement uh, on that level uh, on the hockey side is is that you know something that's in your in your vision at all um you know i think uh i think it's something that's kind of already there um you know i i, I was really lucky i'll be honest with you um, when i came down to the organization uh and, and started working for the team um i was lucky that at the time general manager alan miller uh you know respected my opinion so we talked a lot and, and Alan started showing me the ropes and, you know, a lot of what I know, I credit to Alan to begin with. And then as the years went on and, you know, I got to work with Doug Gasper, um, on a close, uh, personal relationship, you know, when he was the assistant general manager with us. And then, you know, Doug obviously went to the National Hockey League and to the Brandon Weekings as general manager now back in the National Hockey League. And then Jason Ripplinger joined us and, you know, being able to work with, with Alan and Jason very closely, I've learned so much from those two guys on the hockey side of things that it's, I'm so fortunate to be in the position that I am. Like understanding, it's one thing to, to know and to pick up on, on players. It's another thing to understand the actual business of the sport and to be able to ask the questions about, you know, why are you doing this on a trade and not that on a trade? Or how are you viewing this, um, you know, when going after recruiting a player or scouting a team? Um, I have had nothing but a, a great opportunity because every question that I was asked or that I would ask, stupid or not, would get an answer. And uh, I, I just fell into the right situation. And if uh, and if they trust me a little more, it's, it, it's great. I mean, I think... Um, the broadcasting side of what I do is is just a small part of what I do now. Um, you know, really heavily involved in the hockey side of things, which which I love, and uh, you know, still involved in the community side of things, which 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 I love and enjoy. Um, and at, overall, um, just developing you know more relationships with with these players. And that's that's the thing I enjoy the most is is just being around the boys. I'm getting old, so they keep me young, and uh, and that's what I love, and. Uh, I get on the hockey side of things, you know, whether it be getting to, getting to talk to Alan or Jason or having conversations with Peter Anholt a little bit more on the hockey side of things, Jeff Chenault, um, you know, Doug Gasper, as I mentioned, John Paddock, I, Curtis Hunt. I've had such a great opportunity um, to pick brains of, of very good hockey minds. And, and I've been fortunate enough that, that they – want to have conversations with me and uh and i really enjoy it and, and who knows who knows if uh, if an opportunity comes down the road on on that side of things but 
eventually, Sean, you gotta get up, you gotta get off the bus eventually, right? You know <laughs> what it's like, because the old body can only take so much. I was gonna say that maybe there's a little Dennis Payak in you. <laughs> Who knows? There, there could be. Yeah, there could be. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I think I'm still young. I think I still got a little, a little mileage left on me, but, uh, but who knows? Uh, it's, yeah, I don't have the, I don't have the lounging chairs. They have the Bronco bus. I'm still stuck <laughs> on the two seaters, and 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 they hurt, and they hurt a lot. <laughs> they hurt a lot. I wouldn't know. I never sat in those, so <laughs> <laughs> they were the same because I, I, we don't have them on ours, and and it's, uh, you know, you just try and. Make as much comfortable as you can, right? You bring whatever padding and pillows and just roll from there. Well, I'd have to say, I imagine, you know, the longer you're not on the bus, the more you're used to not being on it. So when you had the the long break from bus life with the season that was canceled uh, and then, then the, you know, the hub season, getting back on the bus again, as much as you were excited to have hockey back, you're like, oh, yeah, I got to do this. Oh, 100%. 100% right, Sean. Because, like, I don't know what side you were on the bus. I've been in the same seat for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. in the same, same positioning for a long time. So, right I can't. Third row. Like, I, I was a third chair right side. Yeah, I'm, le- I'm left side, third row back. Yeah. I've been there for a long time. And uh, that means I sleep on my left side. So, my whole left side is just fried. Like even when I go when I sleep in a, when I sleep in a hotel or my bed at home, like I can't I can't stay on my left side for too long because that's where the pain comes in, right? And uh, it just gets agitated after a while. So I, uh, I'm a little different. Mark Mark Lamb once said to me that he's never seen a human being sleep in so many different positions. Oh, I <laughs> wish, Sean. So I wish I just have naps. It's just naps on the bus, right? You nap for about twenty minutes, you wake up, you adjust. You nap for forty minutes, you wake up and adjust, and it's just. Yeah. And then you got bodies everywhere, right? So like I'm kitty corner from coaches and trainers, and you're kicking people in your sleep. They're kicking you in your sleep, and feet are going places that they shouldn't be going. And you're like, "Is this? Are we home yet? Like, are those moose? Is that moose jaw? I'm done. I'm done." For anyone who's ever done it, I mean, I slept a lot, but it was really more of a time filler because you're not getting sleep, you know? No. Like, you, the time goes by, but you don't wake up rested because your your body's not resting in that mode. I mean, it, it, the hard part, too, Sean, is, is, like, when you, for us, um, like you get home from Brandon, right? You get home from Brandon at, like, on a Friday night, and uh, you get home at, let's say, 2.30. Mm-hmm. And let's say you slept for about an hour of that. Well, now when you get home, I'm awake, especially when you get in the cold and you got to drive. So I'm going to stay up at home for another hour, right? It, it's so painful. Like part of me just wants to, I should just sleep at work. I sleep on the bus the rest of the night. Do something. It just sleep makes, is- Chad, you would only imagine. It just makes you, uh, for us, you know, I did some years where I was selling cars. So I drove a little bit to and from games if we were uh, doing a, a trip the night before. And boy, that whole experience makes you appreciate Rids because I cannot imagine Bob Ridley for anyone who doesn't know, but to to have driven the bus on top of everything else, you know, as hard as it is just to ride it, I just can't. Oh think. no chance! Sometimes Sean, though, that bus driver seat's the most comfortable, so it'd probably be better. I'm not gonna lie to you. And then Rids, the best was Rids. I I remember the days of the Civic Center where Rids would tell me before he would start his post game show. So game's done. He would go run out, start the bus, then run back into his post game show. Like, Rids, you're you're. He's a legend. He's a legend. Is what he is. He's a piece of work and a legend. And, and I was so happy to see him too uh, earlier this season with with everything he's gone through. But uh, oh yeah, old Rids, I love him. I love him. Well, I mean, you know, that's the that's the way to get two paychecks. You're you're, you're right. Is to. To, to do two jobs there. I mean, that's. I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm joking about Bob Ridley, but obviously that that was a thing I wanted to touch on. That you know, we talked about several folks in in the Moose Jaw organization, yourself included, James. That you know, I mean, everybody has to wear a lot of hats with these, you know, these Western League teams, especially out out there in the prairie. And that's just that's just kind of the you know that that that's that work ethic, that spirit. I remember hearing stories about you know the some of the coaching staff and Brandon physically working on the rink in the summertime and stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> it's, that's just, I mean, it's whatever it takes, right. I mean, to, 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 
you know, put, put together the product at the end of the day. Yeah, you know what? I, I had another guy in the league uh, phone me and ask me uh, last offseason about, uh, you know, job descriptions. And I said, at the end of the day, I said, throw your job description out the window because the most important part of your job description are the players that you have in your room. Everything we do is for those guys, period. If it's if it's on the radio, if it's in the community, um, everything we do is for them to make their experience the best that we can. If it means that, you know, you have to do something that maybe you're, you're normally not going to do, you do it. It's just the way that it is. Like, do I like throwing out the garbage sometimes? No, but it's just a part of what a guy's got to do, right? I mean, I think uh, too often we get caught up in description and, and we forget that at the end of the day, it's about 22 to 24 16 to 20 year olds and doing everything you can to make them comfortable and, uh, and, and having, making sure that they have an enjoyable experience. So is, are the Warriors a, a much different team? You know, you had a, a run for a long time there with Alan Miller and Mike Stuthers and Tim Hunter. And then uh, Jason Ripplinger, who, you know, was a part of the staff already takes over. Mark O'Leary was a part of the staff already takes over as head coach. Are we seeing though with, the changing of the guard, a different vision uh, for the Warriors, or is it kind of an evolution of uh, of what was already happening? I think it's an evolution. I think that's a good way to put it. I think uh, you know a lot of a lot of what Mark learned over his years as a coach. I'm sure a lot of influence from from Tim Hunter and, and Mike Stuthers. And I think you know with Jason Ripplinger, he was around the organization for a number of years before taking over as general manager, but. Um, I think Jason is a, is an evolution and a product of, of Allen. And then, you know, as well, Scott Bonner with his time with, with the Vancouver Giants. Uh, not only that, I think Jason being around, uh, the game for such a long time probably picked up pieces from a lot of different guys. I know he's talked very highly of Kelly McCrimmon and, and what Kelly was able to accomplish during his era, uh, with the Brandon Wheat Kings. So I think it's, it's more of an evolution of more than it is a, a changing of the guard. That's a, that's a really good way to describe it, Sean. Yeah, well, you you have to speak, you know, highly of Kelly because it'll it'll come back to get you otherwise. And I feel like that guy's shadow <laughs> is still just kind of over the whole league, and probably will continue to do so for some time. I mean, you don't you don't want to cross Kelly. You know what, Kelly? Uh, I don't know, Chad, if you've ever met him, but uh, I I love Kelly McCrimmon to death. I think he's he's an amazing individual. He was entertaining when he was here back in the old Civic Center. Sean, were you here on the Civic Center? Were you, did you get any years in the Civic Center? The old Crush Can? My first my first ever Western Hockey League broadcast was in the Crush Can. Was it? Yeah. So like Kelly back in the day in the, in the Crush Can, like he would it was it was so fun because you know, he would he'd put that one foot up on the on on the on the boards and he'd just give that wave over to the refs. And he'd come over, and then Kelly wouldn't like what he'd hear, and he'd slam that gate, and it would echo in that building uh, like you couldn't imagine. And then I remember, you know, we moved to Mosaic Place, and the Jets were coming back, and, uh, you know, Kelly knew that I was from Winnipeg, and, he's, and he told me, he's like, James, anytime you need tickets, let me know. I'll help you out. Like, oh, I was, I was pretty unique. And then uh, there was a couple of years ago where, where my family went through some things, and I got a, I got a real special text message from Kelly. Um, it's one that I haven't shared with anybody. I don't think I will. I think it's just for me. And uh, when I got that text message, I was, I was, it really, it really meant a lot to me. And I think Kelly, Kelly's a guy that I don't think Kelly understands the impact that he's had outside of Brandon. Right. Like I think there's a lot of guys in the league that look at Kelly as, as a mentor, even though they didn't get to work with Kelly for him to mentor them. And, uh, I think, I think the world of, of Kelly, I think he's, he's done such a great job. Every time you thought those weekings were going to take a step back. Oh no, here comes Braden Shen and, <laughs> and, and Scott Glenny and, and Matt Calvert. And here they go. They're going to run us through the walls again. So, uh, what he was able to accomplish in Brandon, I, I think, is it's a it's a great model, right? Like I think if if the Brandon Weekings and Kelly's time aren't considered uh, the jewel of the Western Hockey League, they should be because what Kelly was able to accomplish, uh, I thought was great. Um, you know, it was a draft and development model 
just like Sean, I mean, think about it, like how many big, big trades did Kelly McCrimmon make over his years? That were bringing guys in, I should say. Oh, he didn't lose many of them. No, he didn't lose many trades. But but when he was acquiring players, like you think about the Memorial Cup year when they hosted in in 2010. Um, the big one was was the Travis Hammond trade. Really, other than that, I mean, it was a draft and development. And I think you know a lot of guys notice that that that's what you want to be. And uh, I think again, Kelly's influence. You know, off the ice, I think, you know, Kelly was fun. I've got some great Kelly stories off the ice as well. But uh, but on the ice, just what he did with Brandon, yeah, you're right, Chad. Like, he's he casts a big shadow that will take a long time to get out of. I, I, I guarantee that. You, you mentioning that perch on the bench just made me think of, you know, his spot in Brandon. Like, there, that spot at the end of the bench, <laughs> yeah. like, have a plaque on it. <laughs> and, just, and just like it was like the... <laughs> he would just wave those guys over there, the officials over there, and and they would just wear it, and then he would just slam that gate, and, <laughs> and you'd laugh. You couldn't help but laugh every single time. I remember um, Rob Carney was was the longtime voice of the Warriors uh, before my time, and uh, he said the one time he goes, Kelly McCrimmon went to him. He says, Rob Carney, you are the worst homer in the league, and he goes, Crim. <laughs> Correction, I'm the best homer in the league. <laughs> I loved it. I thought that was great. Kelly was such a character. I, I love talking to Kelly. Love it. And a lot of times these hockey guys, you know, they have, you know, they can be intimidating when you're new. And and you have an impression of them. Like whether you're, you know, the media, your fans or whatever, you think, oh, the look on that his face when he's competing, you know, the 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 things you hear in the media sometimes and you know, they can be intimidating, but then as you get to know them, they're the totally different side. You know exactly what you described there about uh, your experience when um, he reached out to you. You know, I didn't get off in the best way there because I I had a moment when I was in Brandon early in my run where I let the heat of the moment get the best of me. The Broncos were down three nothing, and uh, Michael Furland beat the tar out of one of the Broncos. <laughs> already up three nothing and taunted the bench. And I said something along the lines of, uh, boy, he's a talented player, but he has no class or something like that, which is, <laughs> which is well beyond something I would ever normally say. And I just kind of like lost sight of myself for a second. And, and Kelly was GM at the time, not coach. So he was right next to me, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and, I could see him storming in too. I could see him coming in hundred percent. He did vision. What he did was, as soon as the period was done, he just slowly opened the door, looked at me, and stuck his hand out and shook my hand and, and kept his eyes right on mine the entire time, then turned around and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he had to, hey? No words needed. No words needed. <laughs> but I, I eventually reached out. I reached out and apologized, and I apologized to him later. Because, you know, it, that's not the kind of thing you say. You can you can comment on a play. You don't comment yeah. on Yeah. But... But it was a lesson, and he was all you know. He would know things about you that you, that would shock you, you know. Like he knew stuff I'd written. He knew about me selling cars and and my schedule. He he read the tweet that I put out. Like that guy was so connected to everything. He didn't miss anything, and I'm sure that's carried over to, to the job he's doing in Vegas. You know, I think it's uh, most general managers are. Is what I'll tell you, and that's that's my experience. Is that um, most general managers really have their finger on what's on the pulse of what's going on, and you know they'll. And the reason why I say that is because the internet's a great thing, and, and WHL Live is a great thing. But most of those guys, the general managers, they listen and they watch, right? And they listen and they watch, and they listen and they watch, and then they. They check out Twitter because there's so much information out there. And uh, most of those general managers, if something gets said, they're going to hear it. <laughs> so that's why you only thats why you only poke fun of the refs, Sean. That's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> right? I, I used to give myself one rant a year, and I, I've cut that even back a little bit more, just the jokes now. But, uh, but yeah, like Kelly always knew a little bit more. You're, you're 100% right. I think uh, – uh, he he just knew how to talk, right? I mean, he, he was great, and I think you know when you look at when he acquired Mark Stone from Ottawa uh, for Vegas, and I think just the the connection there, you, you knew that 
and Kelly cares, right? I know all, all they all do, right? And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think, you know, I've seen general managers and head coaches and in, in uh, certain situations and they all care, but, you know, Kelly has a great way of making connections with individuals. And, and I think that that's obviously carried on in the national hockey league. In my opinion. Yeah, I guess I don't really know where to go after that, but, uh, you know, we've been we, we've been talking for for some time. I'll probably be thinking about putting a bow on it and letting uh, letting you guys get back to what what you're doing. Are there uh, are there some things there, James, that you wanted to touch on while we while you have the floor? No, I don't think so. I think you know. I think I think overall, I think uh, season wise, I think it's been a pretty entertaining season. Um, you know, I can't speak for the Western Conference, but. You know, I think this Eastern Conference has been fun. And, uh, you know, it sets up a very good playoff. And, you know, what happened at the trade deadline, I think, is unique again this year. I think it very uh, – I think it – you know, Sean, I think you'd agree with me on the one when we'd say it probably surpassed 17-18 on, uh, on what happened this year at the trade deadline. Um, I think – it's it's interesting to see how that goes because there's only one team that wins, but uh, it, it's going to be a very fun next two and a half months to see who's joining Kamloops for the Memorial Cup. How much? And I, you know, it's probably an outside shot of it, but it's still within reach. And you know, Regina has been uh, a pretty hot team. How much is there a little part of you uh, that would love to see them find a way to sneak into fifth and, and set up that? Uh, highway one matchup, you know, between the, the two teams with all the hype there's been with Bedard. I mean, the, the crowds that would come with that, the the rivalry, you know, it's probably going to be Moostra Lethbridge unless, you know, some things change, but how much fun would that series be if it happened? Uh, the bank account would love it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the bank account would love it because uh, there really hasn't been a Bedard factor here in Moose Jaw, Right? Um, not like it has been across the league. And that's which is odd because he's thirty minutes away, but uh, there really hasn't been a Bedard factor, so it'd be nice to have that. Um, I've been a bit a part of Warrior and Pat's playoff series, uh, both in the new facility and in the old, and they're unique, right? They're different. Um, it's there's just that little extra buzz, and and it's they're fun. Uh, they're scary too because you just you get. I'm not a guy who gets nervous, right? Because I have no, I have no outcome on the game. My job is just to tell the story. But there's just so much energy in the building, you just can't help it. Like, oh man, what is gonna happen tonight? Type of thing. The only thing you're not gonna see is fighting, because there's no line brawls anymore in in in, uh, in the rivalry. But uh, it would be wild, Sean. I think uh, it would draw the attention of many. It'd be like Cam Loops and Kelowna meeting in the first round. You know, in a in a four or five matchup, I think uh, you know even even Swift and Musha, I think have that rivalry where it would be a lot of fun. But yeah, like there's nothing like Warriors and Pat Sean. It's it's truly it's truly unique. And uh, if that's what happened, I just say buckle up and here we go. Well, and a month ago, I don't think anyone would have thought that was even in um, anyone's mind as a possibility. But they found something there a little bit. So. It, it it is an outside shot of it, I, and that that would be you know it's been interesting to see them come around some, and that's probably scaring some teams a little bit when you when you have you know the superstar playing at the level he's played. Uh, if the rest of the team can figure it out a little, then maybe there's some nerves about matching up with them. It you know I think as much as there is about Bedard, um, and and he was just named the WHL Player of the Week. Stanislav Foles was an amazing player. That guy does not get the credit that he deserves. I think he's he's fantastic. I to me he's he's the heartbeat there, right? I mean, because you're I always believe you you win from the back end out. And uh, Stanislav Svozl is one of the best defensemen in the Western Hockey League. And uh, you know maybe he doesn't get the credit he deserves outside, but you know that that's a guy there that he can win you a series. I think just the way that he plays, and of course being. You know, a Columbus pick, and with then Matejchuk being a first-round Columbus pick, I think you know the Blue Jackets would be very interested to see how that series would go. If if that would, if you guys get Regina, you might have TSN coming to town. They've been they've been putting those games up. We 
been, been, I'm surprised every game for the Regina Pass isn't on TSN right now, to be honest with you. I, I've seen a bunch of them, and I live in America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that. It's like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's crazy. Got to sell them somehow. Got to sell them somehow. It's, you know, I'll ask you guys this question. I asked, I've asked, been asking guys around is that, uh, is say the Maple Leafs, don't get out of the second round or even the first round. And if Arizona gets the first overall pick, knowing the way Matthews' contract is, if you were the Maple Leafs, would you trade Austin Matthews for potentially that first overall pick? For, for potentially? Like, like you know, it, for example, like if, if Arizona gets the lottery, Arizona's won. Arizona's won the Arizona's won the lottery. They've they won. got first overall. And if the Maple Leafs get bounced in the first or second round, would if you were Kyle Dubas, would you trade Austin Matthews for that first overall pick to get Bedard? I think Bedard could potentially be better than Matthews. I I don't know. It's that's such a that's such a. It, Crazy one, and then it's a, it's a fun question. <laughs> you know what? I, the reason I would say uh, I, I'd say it's awfully hard to say no, um, because you get three years of a potential superstar at at entry level dollars. Yeah, the cap hit, yeah, hundred percent. Actually, I asked the guys in Winnipeg that, and they said they said no, and the reason why is because they said. We'll get Matthews the year after when he's an unrestricted free agent. We'll get them both. <laughs> that's the most creative answer I've heard, but that's, that's well, my question asked these days. I wouldn't do it if I was Arizona. That's a, not a chance. I think Toronto, this, the question is a, is, a, is a tougher one because you're in your win-now mode, so you got a superstar in his prime. It's kind of hard to walk away from the, that for a young guy that you're, you're expecting to be great. But the temptation, knowing the dollars and – the longer term future and all that stuff would make it something you really thought about for the coyotes. I think absolutely not. They're, they're not, they're not in a position to win now. So it doesn't make sense. And I don't know, but talk about a great way to build the sport in your pro in your state by having an Arizona guy. Like yeah. how many got like, like Connor Bedard could get, you know, lost in the shuffle down in, in, uh, in, uh, in Arizona. Well, let's let's get a building first before we will. Uh, exactly. Well, exactly. And, and I don't know what they're paying Matthews, but I mean, it, it it would get the Coyotes to the to the cap floor too. That probably yeah. that probably <laughs> probably helps. Would help. I mean, they might they might have to they might have to cut Chris Pronger. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that's interesting. That's I, I had uh, that's interesting thought experiment. I hadn't really hadn't kicked that one around yet. <laughs> So want to like to toss out of people. Just want to like to toss out. I got a lot of time on the bus to kill there, Chad. So uh, I, I think of weird things. Well, being a big wrestling guy, you gotta you gotta bring the drama in there, right? Hundred percent, right? One hundred percent. You know. All right, James. Well, we we appreciate your time, and uh, you know, best of luck down the stretch to Moose Jaw. And we'll we'll keep an eye on on where this ends up. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you thinking of us, and uh, and have yourself uh, a nice a nice night and. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the rest of the season in the Western Hockey League playoffs.